the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and I hope you're having a fabulous day. Uh, I uh, know it's been a while since we talk about such a sensitive topic that has to do with government and politics, but we are going to start a brand new series that deals with the biblical view on politics and on government. And of course, I will be remiss if I do not mention anything from the scripture concerning governments. Romans 13, Romans chapter 13, starting from verse 1 all the way to verse 7, should be the most uh, memorable passage in the whole of scripture to talk about the role of government. And, and here is why that's important, folks. Um, obviously, uh, over the course of time, I feel that people in the U.S. and in Europe and in the West in general began to overlook the fact that government is appointed by God. Yes, people vote, but at the end of the day, whatever the results might be, it's not surprising to God. He is the one who appoints kings, authorities, governments. He's the one who remove kings, authorities, and governments, replace kings, authorities, and governments. And we tend sometimes to overlook this, and especially believers tend to come up with their own theologies, and they try to distance themselves from politics as if they are not actually asked, according to the scripture, to be involved. Now, where does this come from? We don't want to get into details. All I want to say is I'm going to talk you through a journey, multiple uh, podcasts, to discuss this very important issue. And I think it's timely. If you're in the U.S., this is very timely right now when it comes to the election. And there are basically two opposing policies, two opposing views. And regardless of where you stand, I'm not here to tell you how you vote, by the way. All I'm going to have to tell you is... I'm going to share with you what the Word of God says about the role of government. I'm going to share with you what is what are the teaching of Christ concerning our involvement. And then that's God, how you deal with that. That's all I'm trying to do. So Romans 13 verse 1 says the following. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Notice, let me repeat it again. It didn't say some people. It says every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. No one is above the governor's uh, government law. No one above the law, basically. That's what it's saying. Everyone 
is under the law that is appointed by God. We're going to see this now. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, I hear people all the time say, oh, I did not like this president, and I don't like this guy. I don't like that previous government, and I don't like that previous authority. Well, I have some bad news for you. God is the one who appointed these people, and in the future, God will continue to appoint people that whether you like him or not, it is really not entirely up to me and you to decide how God works his plan. God has purposes. God works his plan in mysterious ways, and oftentimes will use wicked people because he is the one over everybody. His sovereignty is over everyone, not just over certain people. He will still use whatever wicked people are in place to the glory of his name and will work all things together to bring at the end of the day the fulfillment of his own plans. And that's where we are lost sometimes. We do not recognize that it's God who have appointed governments, governors, presidents, kings, princes, you, whatever you want to call them. They're appointed by him. You have to look at the big picture. How did this work into the plan of God of salvation? Now, let me continue to read here, verse 2. Romans 13, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. These are tough words, by the way, from the Lord himself. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. If you're doing good, if you're behaving good, if you are in obedience to the law, provided the law does not really infringe upon your faith, by the way, we'll deal with that as well, provided that the law does not prevent you from freely worshiping God, then in this case, you have to really recognize that you have to be at your best behavior because when you do this, you're not going to face any persecution. It is what it is. God put a person in there, appointed governments, and he's working out his plan. Sometimes bad policies, provided they're not infringing in your freedom of religion, of your faith, can really stir up something within the church, stir up something within the believers to rise to the challenge. But all that to say, it doesn't also tell you if there is anything that infringes upon your faith that you are to rebel. I don't find a single command in the Bible that tells you that you are to rebel. It actually asks you to pray and to seek wisdom from God to how to handle and deal with this level of persecution. Verse 4. Oh, actually, let me continue with verse 3. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. God appoints governments for dealing with evil behavior. Do you want to have no fear of authority? That's a, a rhetorical question. Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. 
for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. I can keep on reading, but this is really an amazing reminder here for us that the government is appointed by God. They are a minister of God. They're an avenger of God. Here is another challenge for you, especially if you're a believer. Show me where did it say that the government has to be godly in here? Where did it say that the government actually only applies to believers? You think God is surprised that there are people that get to office sometimes that don't even know him? Look what he has done with Cyrus, for instance. Let me take you there. I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 45, and let's read about King Cyrus, a Persian king whom God has used to return the people of God, Israel, from exile after they spent seven years. The Babylonians took him, and then Persia and the Medes took over Babylon. And then in the reign of Cyrus, God used Cyrus to return his people back to the promised land. But listen to what the Word of God says to Cyrus. This is Isaiah 45, verse 1. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed. Let me, let me say it differently. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his Messiah. Did you catch this? God is calling Cyrus his Messiah. He is not the Messiah, our Lord, but he is a chosen person by God. This is Cyrus, by the way. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand, meaning I am holding your hand, strengthen you, Cyrus, to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. You would think so far that Cyrus was a believer or actually someone who believed in God. Now listen to what verse 4 said. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, in, an, in other words, for the sake of my people Israel, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. What an amazing thing, isn't it? And I hear people complaining all the time about this guy and that gal. Well, you know what? God is the one who ordained for that to happen. He allowed these people to be in office. Let us look at how God is using such people sometimes, not as the person himself, but how God is utilizing that person in office because he's a minister of God. He is a minister of God. We have to keep 
these things at check, by the way. But sadly, we lose track. Let me share another thing with you about the role of the church. First Timothy, and I hope you're re- uh, writing these things down. First Timothy 2. First Timothy 2, starting from verse 1. And I'm going to show you, we're going to read verse 1 to 4. I'm going to show you how the role of people under government is important because it ties into an important plan, which is the plan of salvation, which is what God basically intends at the end of the day is to redeem people. Look how government, the church, and salvation tie together here in this passage. First Timothy chapter 2, starting from verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 4. Listen what it says. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. All men. That includes people you like and people you don't like, by the way. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority. That includes people you like and people you don't. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life, a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God Look how he is described, our Savior. Now you get salvation involved here. Verse 4 will tell you why he is our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So folks, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you prayed for someone that you do not like in office? Just a simple question. When was the last time you prayed that God will use that person to open doors for salvation for those who are lost. I'm just asking. I'm asking myself too. We're all guilty of that sometimes. When was the last time we thought that God is not surprised by anything that is happening? When was the last time we casted our worries on God and we trusted in him to be our savior, physically, politically, and spiritually? When did we do that? We place our hope on people Yeah, people disappoint you and let you down all the time, by the way. And it will always be this way. Why? Because people are falling sinners. They're not followers of the Lord. And if they are believers, they're still weak and in need of strengthening by the Lord anyway. So we need to place our hope on God, who is the one in charge of all things. So this was my intro here. This was my... uh, Uh, basically the uh, background and the foundation for what I'm going to talk about. So what I'm going to start talking about for the next few podcasts, and I don't know how long it will take me, to be honest with you. It may take me a while. We are going to start with first looking at the different views or different wrong views about Christians and government, meaning these are Christian views concerning government, or at least Views that are wrong concerning the role of Christianity in government. The first such view is called that government should compel religion. Government should force people to follow a religion, for instance. That's one view. 
Another view says government should exclude religion. You hear this all the time. Oh, there is separation between church and state. We want nothing to do with it. You can be further from the truth, by the way, and you can be further from, uh, you cannot be so wrong when you say such a thing. You have a part to play in government, by the way. You should be involved in politics at a variety of levels. And I'll prove it to you from the scripture, from the words of our Lord himself as well. Okay? A third view says all government is evil and demonic. And obviously this is a wrong view. We just I just read to you in Romans 13 that the government is a minister of God. Are you saying God is demonic? for placing a government in place. In fact, the first thing that was instituted immediately after the institution of marriage, after the fall, right after the flood, the institution of government was put in place. You can read about that in Genesis 9. That's where God basically instituted the capital punishment. If anyone would to kill another human, that by human being, his blood will be taken from him because men or mankind is made in the image of God. It's a matter of dignity. These are laws, by the way, the government was established even transcended the law of Moses and the Ten Commandments. That was established right after the flood to bring order to earth. A fourth view, a fourth wrong view, I should say, is that do evangelism, but not politics. Meaning, you Christians or the church have its role just for evangelism and not for politics. It can be further from the truth. And the fifth view that we'll talk about at some point is that do politics, not evangelism. That too, you cannot separate the two from each other. You cannot just focus on politics and ignore religion. As if you, you get into politics, you don't become an evangelist anymore. You know, you put your religion outside the door or your faith in this case. And as believers, you put your faith in Christ outside the door. You don't evangelize your fellow politicians and people that are in your campaign or you working with you, as if you cannot really pray, for instance, for events and debates and things like that, as if you cannot invoke the name of the Lord at the urine sessions and things like that. So you see what's going on? These are all wrong views, by the way. They do not coincide with biblical views. By the way, for an amazing uh, book and studies on this, I encourage you to seek a book by Dr. Wayne Grudem, Dr. Wayne Grudem, and it says Politics and the Bible, Politics and the Bible by Dr. Wayne Grudem. And uh, he has a blog, uh, just search for Dr. Wayne Grudem. Most likely you'll find lectures on this if you don't want to get the book anyway. Uh, I'm sure by now he probably have also an e-book version. He probably have an abridged version. Sometimes he does things like that to most of his writings. But you go and you search and most likely you'll find something Better yet, just go to uh, a library and uh, most likely you'll find the book in there as well to borrow. So all that to say is we are going to now focus on these variant views. But for today, I just wanted to give you enough background because we're almost approaching the end of our session. And then I am going to start effective next podcast next week, basically, to start with the first view. And that view is that government should compel religion. Put another way, government should force religion on people. That's the view. That's wrong. 
That's not biblical, by the way. And we'll see how that will unfold from the scripture and from the mouth of our Lord. With that says, let me just wrap up by reminding you that these are trying times right now, by the way. If you're in the U.S., you are beginning to experience things that you probably have never, ever experienced before. Bullying by politicians. By the way, I'm used to that. You know, I came from the Middle East. It's normal. It's an everyday operation, by the way. It's, uh, uh, that's how things are uh, basically done. Although things are changing dramatically in the Middle East, sadly, uh, the politics in the U.S. is going backward. It's becoming actually less than third world countries. I'm sorry if you get offended for hearing this, but that's what it is. There is no peace in certain places. People cannot really depend on authorities anymore because the authorities got their head buried in the sand and they don't even reason anymore. They don't have wisdom to think rationally. Okay, so uh, you can call it relativism. How is it working for you in Portland, by the way? How is it working for you in Seattle? How is it working for you in Chicago? How is it working for you in other states? Just ask yourself that question. If you think it's working for you, good for you, because it seems to me maybe what we're watching and what we're hearing is all lies. There is fires everywhere somehow, but they are done in a peaceful manner. So if you think that's peaceful, then I would say uh, those who are definitely not able to see what's going on need to really think hard about what's going on with them. Why aren't they able to discern what is happening and if you are a believer living in these places, boy, oh boy, your job had just been quadrupled. And you need to include prayer for these authorities because they're definitely blinded and they cannot see right from wrong anyway. Speaking of that and speaking of such a thing, what an amazing passage we're going to read right now from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18. And folks, listen to the word of God. Now, let me give you a crash course on Isaiah chapters 1 to 5. This is the indictment of God, the Lord Yahweh, against his people, why the Babylonians are coming to take them to exile. Verse chapters 1 to 5, that's where God makes his case against his people. And he, in chapter 6, basically inaugurated Isaiah, recruited him, if you wish, and sent him to his people. And he told them, listen... Their hearts are so callous, they're not going to hear a word you're going to say. They're not going to understand a word you are reasoning with them. They're not going to see anything. But please let them know why they are going to be taken into exile by a foreign land, by foreigners, by the Babylonians. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what I'm afraid for, by the way. Our nation is sinking real fast, faster than quicksands, by the way. And I am a civil engineer, and I know what I'm talking about when it comes to quicksand. We are sinking, morally speaking, so fast, and no one has ear to hear anymore. But let, hopefully, we can hear the following from Isaiah 5:18. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sin as if with cart of robes, who say, let him make speed, let him hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass, that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
And my time is almost up, so I want to wrap it up here. Hopefully, you can go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International, and become also a giver through Patreon or PayPal. Hopefully, you can also share these podcasts with others. We have multiple platforms where you can find them. iTunes is one of it. Omni Studio is another uh, uh, previous ones on SoundClouds. And you can go to our website, SiraInternational.com, and find a section on Let Us Reason, which, by the way, that's where I get the name Let Us Reason from Isaiah chapter 1, basically. And we will continue next time with this passage from Isaiah, and we'll dive into the different views of governments or wrong views on government. Thank you again for listening to us, and we pray that you will find this podcast and this series to be helpful to you in your own ministry. God bless, and this is Al-Fadi over and out.